This is episode 371 of The Real Man Colon, a movie podcast. On this week's episode, Chase is going to take a look at Barbarian and the Pinocchio live-action adaptation of the 1940 classic. What will he think of both of those? They're both from Disney, oddly enough. Uh, you'll just have to tune in and find out. This episode starts right now. What is going on, everyone? And welcome to another episode of the Real Me and Cole in the Movie podcast. I am your host, Chase Lee. And thank you for joining me on this day or night or whenever you're listening to this. You guys are awesome. And speaking of you guys, if you could spread this episode around and let people know this is your favorite movie podcast to listen to, that would be much appreciated. You guys' support throughout all these years and weeks and months and days and all that stuff has been quite um, just incredible. And, and thank you for just always tuning in to whatever nonsense I, I post on the the feed, you guys uh, are just uh, absolutely incredible. I, lo- I love you all. So thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Um, and also spread this around, you know, for maybe there's someone out there that, uh, you know, is looking for a movie podcast to listen to. I think uh, this one would be a pretty good one, especially since they're two radically different films. But um, yeah, so this is episode 371, uh, like I said at the top. And uh, I will be going over Barbarian, the new horror film from 20th Century Studios. And then, of course, uh, Pinocchio, the 2022 live-action adaptation of the 1940 animated classic from Disney. So, yes, these are both Disney films. One is rated R to the extreme, and one is for families. Good stuff. You got to love the variety, right? But anyways, that is our reviews of conversation. Uh, So excited to dive into those. But before I get into all of that, I must ask, as usual, as I cough for suspense, how you guys doing? You guys doing pretty good? Uh, I am doing better than last week for sure. Um, my allergies, cold, I don't know what it is. It's still a little bit there, but it's not as bad. Um, but man, that's been kicking my butt this whole time. And so I, um, yeah, I just have to uh, forge on, um, take the Claritin, take the Flonase, and, you know, just that's it. That's my life now. Um, <laughs> can you imagine if allergies lasted? For a lifetime, we would all be miserable. So yeah, I'm slowly getting over that. <clears throat> in terms of how my week uh, has been, it's been pretty good. Uh, just busy um, catching up on a lot of different reviews. I knocked out like eight reviews on Monday um, of this week and did an extra podcast episode, like I told you guys I would. And now I'm doing this one. So definitely a lot of content uh, coming you guys' way. So yeah, look out for that. And in terms of like catching up like on movies or TV this week, um, I saw Barbarian last night. Watching House of the Dragon still. I still need to watch episode three. Uh, have not watched any She-Hulk episodes yet because I've already seen the first four. So I'm waiting until I think next week for my first like new one after like a month or so. So looking forward to that still. The Patient starring uh, Steve Carell and Donald Gleason. Steve Carell plays a, a therapist. And uh, Donald Gleason um, is his patient, and so I'm not going to say what happens, but you know, something happens, and now they're kind of stuck in this uh, precarious situation, and it's interesting to kind of follow it. So I, I'm liking that uh, from week to week, and then of course, um, what we do in the shadows, <laughs> Master Chef, uh, yeah, because only murders ended. So yeah, you know, uh, TV's kind of slowing down, but also you know we're, we have new stuff. I still haven't seen Rings of Power yet. The Lord of the Rings show, maybe that will be 
for next week's episode. I have no clue. I got to watch them. Um, but yeah, looking forward to that. So yeah, just a lot of great stuff coming out. Looking forward to Andor at the end of, uh, I, think, I believe, this month for, for Disney+. Plus. So yeah, a lot of good stuff. Um, but in, in terms of movies, you know, I've been catching up on a lot um, over the past like three weeks or so. Uh, most of these reviews are locked and loaded into, you know, the podcast feed and you know, my YouTube channel and everything. But there was one movie I had on my list that I didn't finish. I don't like reviewing stuff if I have missed more than 10%. So if I see 90% of it, you know, I have a pretty fair idea of like what it is. I still have 20 minutes left or like 30 minutes left in this movie, but I can safely say it's pretty bad and I don't want to watch it or finish it. So you guys are going to get the review right here. Um, and what is that movie you may ask? Moonfall. You guys remember that one from uh, earlier this year? It was on the plane when I was uh, going to Georgia to go see my parents. So I was like, okay, let me watch it. I'm surprised I didn't finish it in time. I thought it was like an hour and 45 minute movie. It's two hours and 10 minutes. And the flight to Georgia is like an hour and 58. So I, I started as soon as I got on the plane because I was like, ooh, it's a bit long. Like maybe if I start ahead, maybe I can reach it by the time we land. No, I still had 20 minutes left. But I can tell you where I stopped. It wasn't going to get any better. This was probably one of the worst movies I've seen all year. And I'm usually pretty generous with movies. Fire, Firestarter made me angry. This one didn't make me as angry, but it's still a bad movie. Like, there's specific movies that came out this year where, like, I can excuse some things, but, like, there's just some things that I just, I, I can't, um, you know can't let slip by I they, they can't walk free so with Moonfall you know director Roland Emmerich comes back and does a disaster film you know Independence Day 2012 um you know he's done smaller films like the oh, what was that Shakespeare one that he did oh god and did he do that did he do the protest movie he's done a lot of movies but his, his claim to fame is disaster films which is fine I I like my fair amount of movies that he's done in that that subgenre. One of my favorites, uh, just because it, it it's a great exercise in VFX work, is 2012. That's a that's a beautiful looking movie. I, I don't know who worked on it, but the VFX in that movie I think still hold up. When John Cusack is going through LA and it's just cracking beneath him. Yes, is it believable? No, it's not. Uh because we have cars flying over cliffs and stuff, which you know Moonfall has some of that too. But with this one the VFX work is so good that I excused it. It's just like, you know, this is a great post-production movie that I'm watching. Um, and it looks really realistic. So I, I like it. Um, so that was my last, like, I guess, favorite disaster movie from him. That one was fun. But with Moonfall, I... You know, with the moon going out of orbit and heading towards Earth and astronauts have to get up there and, like, either knock it back into orbit or whatever. Like, we've seen this before. You know, Armageddon had a similar thing where, like, they had to go onto the planet, or was it the moon, and they had to, like, blow it up. I, I forgot what it was, but, like, it kind of similar, right? So I'm like, okay, if that's the story, sure, I'll accept it. I'm not looking for, like, Oscar gold here, but, like, you know, just make it worth my time. As the movie goes along, like, okay, this is fine, it's whatever. 
But then, then they reveal the backstory behind what is actually in the moon. And it is just dumb. It's like as if Roland Emmerich took every single, excuse me, science fiction blockbuster in the history of movies, took a story element from each and crammed it. At one point, it looked like Elysium. Uh, and with that story, with like the the colony on like the um, rings or planet or whatever beyond Earth, like I'm like, there's just elements here of other movies, and it's just it's just weird. Why why is there backstory to this? Like, um, yeah, I'm gonna go ahead and just spoil it. There's an alien, like uh, there's an AI technology that kills astronauts and spaceships, and it lives in the moon, and so. Um, there's a whole backstory about how civilization was actually like super advanced and like this AI turned on them and like now it lives in the moon and it has like a, a moon base inside the moon. What, what is this? I didn't ask for this. I asked for the moon to fall apart and head towards earth and them try to stop it. And this is like 30 minutes of the movie, this whole backstory and like them discovering things. And like, I had 20 minutes left and I was like, what else could they throw at me? So I'm not sitting here saying I'm reviewing it because I didn't watch all of it. I'm just telling you right now, the hundred minutes that I did see of it, I did not like. It's it's a bad movie. Is it laughably bad? Some parts, but like for the most part, it's just um I just facepalmed several times on the airplane. I don't do that. I'm a grown adult. I facepalmed. I was like, oh my god, what is this? So yeah, I, I caught up on Moonfall. Um, good stuff. And then on my way back, I uh, I watched the first hour to Sea Beast. Uh, that will be one of the movies I review for you guys. I won't tell you if I liked it or not, but I need to finish that. But yeah, I've just been kind of catching up on a bunch of stuff. Um, I still have my list that I'm going down because uh, I'm doing like the movie catch-ups and everything. Like I'm going to have multiple parts. So yeah, just busy, 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 busy. So I hope everyone else is doing fine out there. Um, and so, yeah, let's, uh, let's not waste any time. Let's kind of jump into these, uh, these reviews. So when we come back from the break, I will be talking about Barbarian, the, uh, horror film from writer, director, Zach Kreger, one half of the whitest kids, you know, did Jordan Peele just inspire a bunch of these comedians and like comedy people to start making horror films? Cause I'm here for it. Um, so yeah. So, uh, when we come back from the break, Barbarian will be the first one and, uh, the ad, um, that's going to play is sponsored, uh, by, uh, my, by movie palette. Um, so that is, uh, that's what you're going to hear right now. Hi, it's me interrupting me. And I just wanted to take a break to thank the sponsor of this review movie palette. Movie palette takes the concept of the movie poster to the next level. Movie palette consists of stripes of colors carefully chosen by their team of artists. Every stripe represents a color of a particular scene in a movie and is put in chronological order on the canvas. There are so many movies to pick from, and it doesn't even stop there. They also have whole seasons of TV shows. I recently moved and I needed some things to put on my wall, and I was getting tired of putting up traditional movie posters and wanting something different, and Movie Palette stepped up to the plate. The movie palette that I chose was one of my favorite movies of all time, Logan. This gorgeous palette is a constant reminder of how beautiful this film is and how each scene evokes a different emotion all through its language of color not to mention a great conversation starter. This is a unique piece to any film and TV lover's home, and I want to help you get one. 
Use the discount code CHASE15 for 15% off of any product on their website. Film is art, so why not display your favorite as such? That's 15% off of your order when you use the code CHASE15. And thank you to our sponsor, Movie Palette, for sponsoring this episode of the Real Man Cole Movie Podcast. Let's not waste any more time and let's talk about Barbarian. So what is this movie about? A woman staying at an Airbnb discovers that the house she has rented is not what it seems. So, you know, going into this, I remember everyone just talking about it for, for weeks on end and everyone saying, like, this is one of the best horror films they've seen in a while. And I was, like, getting super excited because I love kind of smaller films like this that just kind of come out of nowhere and people are just raving about. I love Bill Skarsgård and Justin Long. Like, this could turn out to be a sleeper hit of this month um, in September. And so I was looking forward to it. I didn't even see a trailer for it. I just saw the poster. It kind of reminded me of like retro horror films from like the seventies or like eighties. And like, I remember like when I was a teenager and I ventured out to like watch all these older horror films and like, I saw stuff like evil dead and all that stuff. I, I love these kind of like painted posters. Uh, just it's a really great throwback to those types of films. So all that said, like going in, I was super excited. So after watching the movie, I kind of love it, at least for like 95% of the way, which I'm very sure about. And then that last 5%, I'm a little iffy on. I still like it. But the reason why I say that is because everything in the film has such a, a grounded nature to it. And there's a lot of just like deeply rooted, disturbing things that happen that reflect real life. To where the last 5% get a little over the top and goofy and kind of campy to where it kind of breaks that uh, realm and goes into fantastical. It doesn't really gel well 100%, but um, that's the reason why, like, I'd say I like, love it, love it, love it, love it, and then I like it. It was it was a nice ending, um, so that's where I'm kind of at. But either way, this is a unique horror film uh, that I have not seen in quite some time. It had such a pop in the theater when I saw it. Pins and needles the entire time while I'm watching it. It was a unique experience, and uh, I appreciate everyone involved for making this and releasing it in theaters, especially Disney, uh, doing something as crazy as this. Um, yeah, it's uh, yeah, I really, I really love it. It's 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 good stuff. So yeah, if you're a horror film or if you're a, a, a fan of like gory horror films or disturbing horror films, like I think this one's it for you. Um, it even kind of reminds me a little bit of Hatchet. Do you guys remember that movie? Um, anyways, I'm gonna try to keep this review vague because there's a lot of things in this that are surprising and it's gonna be very hard for me to talk about because the cool thing with this movie is like when you watch it and you're experiencing it for the first time, it is, um, it is a journey and I want everyone to kind of just go into it blind. So I'll be, I'll be very careful with, uh, spoilers. So let's start with writer director, Zach Kreger, which by the way, he is one half of the wise kids, you know, the, uh, the other gentleman, Trevor Moore, rest in peace. Um, they had this uh, kind of comedy duo where they did like these skits and it kind of reminded me of like adult swim humor, kind of just offbeat and weird, but always made me laugh. Uh, so it's nice to see like someone else from a comedy background come and do horror films. You know, Jordan Peele is like starting the wave and, you know, I'm glad that he's inspiring others to do it. So that's awesome. And so with Zach Kreger, I had no idea what his directing style was like. I kind of, I knew what his writing style was like, cause I've seen his comedies, but like, how is he going to do it in horror films? So with this one, I thought he did an excellent job really showcasing his talents as a, as a director and writer in the horror genre. There's a couple things that he did really well 
as a director. One is he knows how to build tension. There's a lot of misdirects. There's a lot of interesting camera movements. There's a lot of great uh, editing choices to kind of throw you off. Like he is really great at building tension upon tension. And I sat there the entire time. Just my eyes could not leave the screen. I was glued to it because I was wondering what the mystery was going to be, how it was going to unfold and ravel. And then of course, um, just the overall suspense looming throughout the entire story was pristine. Love that. The other thing that he did really great as a director is balance. There is a lot of tone shifting throughout this film. This story is told in a nonlinear structure. We go forward in time. Uh, we go backward in time. We come back to the present. Like There's a lot of shifting. And that could be very detrimental to anyone's film. And it could seem like it's uh, jarring or just it doesn't feel right in the transition. But this felt right. Um I mean, we, like I said, without spoiling anything, we go into the future, we go into the past, we go from horror suspense to uh, darkly comedic, um, and then back to like serious and disturbing, and then back to, um, you know, survival mode. Like, it's crazy how many times it shifts, but I think it works. Like, I think it'll jar some people on the first one when it transitions between the first and the second one, because uh, they're kind of told in like chunks, like four or five chunks. So I think the first time it transitions, I think it's going to throw people off for sure. Um, but once you kind of get into the rhythm and then you're like, okay, this is how the story is being told. It kind of just adds a, a uniqueness to the story and uh, just the overall movie going experience because we don't see many movies that, that do this. So, uh, but I think it works for this. But um, yeah, and then back to the writing. I, I really like the, the dialogue is, is sharp. Uh, the, the characters are really fun to follow. Um, and then also it translates to the performances, which we'll get to in a second. But also, Zach Kreger is also asking an important question. Who's the actual barbarian? We are running away from something in this movie. Is that the barbarian? Are we barbarians? Like, <laughs> excuse me. There's a lot of questions that he asks uh, us as an audience to really, like, kind of dive into who is the barbarian on screen. And so uh, I thought that was kind of an interesting game uh, that he was playing with us because uh, there was a lot of, like I said, a lot of misdirect. You know, when the movie starts, without spoiling anything, we have our main character, uh, pl a test played by Georgina Campbell and Keith played by Bill Skarsgård. The whole time I was like, Bill Skarsgård is up to something. Maybe. And so that's what I'm saying. Like it, it just and then it pivots and it pivots again, pivots again. So really just kind of a, a great mystery that just unravels before your eyes really entertaining stuff just from a uh, uh, entertainment perspective. But yeah, Jack Craiger, great job. Performances are also really good. Georgina Campbell is a great lead. Um, she's really, you know, kind of nervous in the beginning because like of this unfortunate situation of booking the same Airbnb with this person. And then she slowly has to kind of like figure out how to get out of there and survive. And it was really great to kind of follow her survival tale uh, throughout this uh, really horrible house. Um, Bill Skarsgård, uh, is great. Um, I, I always like his presence. You know, he kind of has like that, that personality where he can flip on a dime when he's playing these characters. So you don't know if he's like playing a good guy or a bad guy. Love that about him. Once again, misdirect. And then Justin Long, um, <clears throat> excuse me. Justin Long is, uh, he's actually fantastic in this. He's probably my favorite part about, uh, the entire film. There's a lot of layers to him. Um, without going into any spoilers, his character is more of a, how to put this lightly, 
a D bag um, at first. And then you start to feel sorry for him. And then you're like, was he actually like wrong? Like, do people perceive him as a D bag when he's not like, what's, what's going on underneath him. And then like, then his personality slowly unravels throughout the story. And then by the end, you definitely know what type of person he is. But um, it's uh, it was a really well-rounded performance with uh, his character arc and just the way he uh, performed and acted in, in in certain scenes where you you were convinced as an audience that okay maybe he's turned around or like maybe he he's a good person he just you know he's done bad things or maybe he is a bad person he's just trying to hide it like I have no clue but like his performance was very layered and I, I really enjoyed um, his presence so yeah. Um, and then uh, I'm not going to go into any other performances because once again, I want you guys to just kind of like enjoy this, like for what it is and uh, be surprised, uh, you know, with with story points and characters like so I'm not going to go anywhere beyond those three. Because like I said, I think just seeing this movie it is a, a wildly crazy time. So uh, a wild, crazy time. There you go. So um yeah, uh, I, I like the way this movie uh, was shot. A lot of um, uh, utilization with like dark shadows and you know flashlights, and it just really adds to the atmosphere of the film. I love the sets that they built. I don't know where they um, built those, or if they were sets, or if they were actual like locations. I don't know what it was, but it was absolutely creepy and unnerving. And I just uh, I, I loved the whole setting of this film. It, it was great. Really, like I said, it just really adds to the the atmosphere but yeah um that's all i can pretty much say without really diving into spoiler territory so i love 95 percent of it and i'm very confident that i i can tell you that 95 percent of this movie is is fantastic i think that last bit in the ending is gonna really throw people and really kind of push the limits of believability and like you know does this hold up to the other bits that I saw? I still like it. Um, but I will say, like, leading up to that point, it was so strong that even if the ending is slightly weaker, this is one of the best movies I've seen all year. So it, it just is. Um, if you are into horror films, if you're into, you know, uh, creepy films, disturbing films, like, darkly comedic films, like, it kind of has a maybe like an Evil Dead vibe as well, not as gory, um, but um, definitely, you know, flashes of that um, when they get um, once again spoilers. They get to certain parts of the house, and it kind of reminds me of like The Descent or like you know certain movies with caves or whatever. So um, yeah, it's kind of got a little bit of everything. But you know what? It's it's wholly unique to Zach Kreger, and thank you, sir, for bringing this to the big screen and everyone else involved. You guys knocked out of the park. And that is my review of Barbarian. Please let me know down below what you thought of the film, and then let's uh, take a second break. Um, it's just going to be a quick one here. Take a pause, and then when we come back, we're going to be talking about Pinocchio, the 2022 version that's dropping on Disney Plus uh, Thursday, September 8th. You don't want to miss this conversation. Stay tuned. <music> And welcome back from the second break. Let's not waste any more time and let's talk about Pinocchio, the 2022 version. So if you've never seen Pinocchio, what is it about? A living puppet with the help of a cricket as his conscience 
must prove himself worthy to become a real boy. Um, like I said, it came out in 1940. Super old. One of my favorites uh, growing up uh, when I was watching all of the classic animated Disney films. Uh, I was born in 1990, so I saw the Disney Renaissance from you know 89 to 94, uh, which was a great run from them. And then I wanted to go back and watch some of the classics, and Pinocchio is one of my favorites. So this one is a a play-by-play -play, live action adaptation of that animated original. So, you know, going into it, I remember seeing like one trailer for it and I enjoyed the trailer. I was like, this could be a, a really great live action adaptation because I feel like Disney has been lacking in that department. Some of them have been okay, but then most of them have just been, you know, questionable. And so I was hopeful that this would be the one. And it's directed by Robert Zemeckis, who, you know, Contact, What Lies Beneath, uh, Back to the Future, uh, and then more recently, you know, films with like Flight, which is amazing, The Walk, which is really good. Um, did he do The Witches? Yeah, he did The Witches. The guy is amazing. He's got so much range. He can do drama. He can do comedy. He can do fantasy. He can do animation because he's really um, interested in the mocap part of that. The guy can do anything. And so, with that, Zemeckis and Tom Hanks playing Geppetto, I was like, come on. This is like a recipe for success, right? So I watched it. It's fine. It's not, it's not the worst, and it is by far better than some of the other live-action adaptation attempts that Disney has had from their own movies, but this one's okay. Um, there's a lot of great things to admire about. There's a lot of things that are questionable and just cheap looking about it, even though this thing costs $150 million. Um, I'll get to that in just a second. But uh, yeah, there's a lot of great things to appreciate and some things I just had questions about. But I'm going to start with Robert Zemeckis. What Robert Zemeckis does as a director is he's able to create movie magic from any movie, any story, he brings the fantastical to life, he grounds it, he makes it tangible, it's real, it's in front of you, and it feels like you're watching something real. And so I will always appreciate um, that about Zemeckis. I think the first time I noticed that was, because um, I watched like some of his dramas before Back to the Future, um, but Back to the Future, when I saw that, I was like, this is what movie magic is all about. This is what makes me fall in love with this art form and just being transported and like, feeling like you're watching like the untangible on screen and like it just it feels so real to you like that's what he does and there are moments in this where Pinocchio has those elements where you're like wow this is actually like pretty cool like you have all these animated characters in this live action world this shouldn't work but in some scenes it does and like it, it's just the way um uh, it's constructed with like its production design and costuming and some of the um uh, animation it works really well, and like I think he was able to capture that beautifully. And there are several moments like that, especially like Geppetto's house is really well detailed, and like it, it just it feels like it was plucked right out of um, the animated film. So I love Robert Zemeckis's vision. I will always love that. Here's where I have the disconnect. When you watch the original, the original cartoon, there is a sense of tone shifting that happens throughout that that cartoon it gets dark it gets very dark it's very real and so 
with this one, yes, it is doing the same scenes as the original, and it's, it's staying very, very true to it. But that emotion, that, that darkness, is kind of lost a bit. Because some of the VFX, some of the scenes are just a little too goofy where when it is rained back in and it's trying to be, you know, dark and real and grounded, it just, it's too far gone at that point. So I felt like there was an emotional disconnect with those particular scenes. And so it was almost diving into the territory of what I said about, excuse me, Guy Ritchie, when he did Aladdin, where it felt like they had a checklist and they had, okay, that scene's done, moving on, that scene's done, moving on, and there was no passion or emotion behind those. Um, that's how it felt sometimes with this one. So that would be like my, well, we'll get to the VFX in a second, but like that's like my major complaint about this film is that a lot of that is kind of stripped. And so now you're left with like this wonderful looking movie that you know is very true to the original but it doesn't have that same um emotional impact for the characters or the story so but i will i will appreciate zemeckis's vision for bringing anything like this to life he's always the master at that so let's go to the performances i gotta tell you i've seen a lot of movies in my life a lot of animated movies in my life i can usually pinpoint people's voices I could not pinpoint Joseph Gordon-Levitt as Jiminy Cricket. I just couldn't. He was doing something with his voice to where it, it hit it so well that I could not hear his, like, just if I imagine him, like, in interviews or in other movies, like, I could not imagine his voice. So he did a great job slipping into his character. Tom Hanks is okay as Geppetto, um, but I think the real MVP here is all of the voice acting, uh, bringing these uh, animated characters to life. Um, Jiminy Cricket has a lot of personality. Pinocchio has a lot of personality. Uh, and my favorite by far is, um, Honest John, who was voiced by Keegan-Michael Key. Wonderful casting. So every person that was in animated form knocked it out of the park. I really thought they added so much to their characters. Most of the live action performances are a bit, a bit rough, a bit stale. <laughs> Um, case in point, at the very beginning of the film, it almost felt like a stage play, and it was, there was something off about the acting, and then as it kind of, you know, went along, it got a little better, but yeah, there was just something off about it, and whether it be Tom Hanks or Luke Evans, um, I don't know, there's just none of that stuff worked for me, it really didn't, like, <laughs> some of them were okay, but like, for the most part, the live action stuff, um, performances were bit hokey and so um i know it's it's really bad to say but like you know i you know i appreciate everyone for contributing to this film i just yeah I, I thought everyone in animated form was a bit better the vfx work this is where i have the biggest confliction of this entire film on one hand there are some scenes stellar fantastic animation. There are a couple scenes that made my jaw drop in terms of detail and texture, lighting, movement, uh, believability in the set, um, contrast between the uh, uh, live action background and there in the foreground, 
there were some scenes that were so well animated and the VFX work were pristine. And then there were some, it was primarily green screen work where you, you have an animated person or yeah, person or uh, a creature in front of a live action background. And it was clearly animated where it just, you could not suspend your disbelief because the background was still. It just, it was definitely like a still plate of a live action background, but with the animation going, you know, super, uh, you know, fluid with their movements and stuff, it just looks off. There was also one scene where Pinocchio was running and he was running super fast, but like the movement in the background was going super slow. So it's stuff like that, excuse me, that was a bit off. Also, when the live action performers were in front of green screen, it was really apparent and it was not blended in well whatsoever. There was one particular scene that I could not believe that they didn't want to redo. Um, it, there was a stagecoach, live action people. There was kids in the back of the stagecoach and there was weird lighting on their face. And so it made everything stick out like a sore thumb. And so it's just stuff like that that blew my mind because the VFX work in general was was pretty amazing to watch for the most part. And then just some of the compositing work was a bit off. It's just it was just weird because I I I what I was watching on screen was a very expensive animated movie with live action components. And some of it worked and I was like this is really impressive, but then there are some scenes that happen where you just get frustrated because you're like, you feel like they're just everyone worked their butt off to make this movie. And like, you know that everyone was passionate to make it, but there was just some that just didn't work. And so the believability factor just kind of takes you out of it. And it just, uh, yeah, it's just, uh, it, it really just kind of uh, dampers your whole experience with the scene. So yeah, I, um, there's a lot of great things to say about this film. There's a lot of, bad things to say about this film overall it just kind of lands in the middle for me but we are still not at that point of like great live action adaptation from disney animated movies we're just not yet so we'll get there one day um i don't know which one it will be but one of them will strike me and be like wow that was actually like pretty good so uh but this one is not the case but it's also not one of the worst and that is my review of pinocchio the 2022 version thank you uh, for tuning in for both these reviews, let me know down below what you thought of both of them. Whether you liked it, loved it, or hated it, I like to read opinions on stuff. So that will do it for episode 371. Next week, uh, for 372, <coughs> excuse me, I will be going over The Woman King, the Viola Davis um, film from Sony, and then uh, I think Pearl. I'm going to do Pearl from A24, the prequel to the film X that just came out this year. So two films in the same universe, that's crazy. So it will be The Woman King and Pearl. You will also get an extra review of um, Goodnight Mommy, <clears throat> the uh, remake that's uh, hitting uh, Amazon Prime Video uh, next Friday, September 16th as well. So you will get two of those, and you will also get an extra review or an extra podcast, excuse me, of uh, 2022 Movie Catch-Up Part 1. That will drop on Monday, and the podcast episode will probably drop on Thursday. So that is your your schedule for the week. And of course the extra with good night, mommy. So 
A lot of stuff coming your way. Uh, also, keep a lookout for uh, the mini review of Elusive, a smaller film that one of my friends worked on uh, that I wanted to support and just give airtime to. So uh, look out for that as well. So, so much stuff coming down the pipeline. So that will do it for this episode of the Real Me and Coleman Movie Podcast. I, Chase Lee, thank you for tuning in. You guys are awesome. I will see you guys for the next one. Bye-bye.